Hello, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary. And this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? country is currently experiencing a crisis at our southern border. At least some would call it a crisis. Others may call it an opportunity to remake our nation. Over the past few years, more and more people are calling for a world without borders. Supposedly, this would be a more just world, a more compassionate world. According to these folks, we would have a more godly world if we would just operate as one big happy family. But Is a world without borders what God wants? In just a moment, let's talk about borders and let's talk Torah. Long ago, God declared his redemptive plans for the world he created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now, as the end draws near, believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the biblical feasts which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind in the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. In this book, Author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel, as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit TorahTalk21.com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, our past and future revealed in the biblical feasts. Well, hey, Gary, how you doing? Good, Kathy. Good to see you again. <laughs> Good. So today we're going to talk about borders and, uh, as we always say, a topic that we're interested in. <laughs> Although, quite honestly, not necessarily one that I would have thought, okay, this is one that I, I would be that interested in. But boy, you know, topics just rise to the top. They do. You know, a few years ago, we probably wouldn't have thought it. Well, then again, you know, the, the, the immigration issue was has been going on for decades, but not to the point where it just seems like we ignore all immigration laws and just open everything you know open arms exactly to so so i guess that's how it happens with uh, news cycles or as things rise to the top that that are important to us and you know it's interesting we're going to talk today about borders we're going to talk about nations and and really the bible has a lot to say about it yeah it does surprisingly i think uh, and and some uh, mis misuse the Bible verses for their own gain, but let's we're going to go to specifically those who talk about borders. Exactly, correct? exactly. Yeah. You know, before we talk about borders or national borders, you know, sometimes it's 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 nice to be able to just take that big topic, bring it down to a smaller scale, and you know, and just talk about the idea. We've all heard that phrase: "Good fences make good neighbors." That's true, and and you think about just your own family. Um, what is most mo- most important job uh, is to protect your own family, right? And and uh, you know we know what the world is like today. If a, a father with daughters uh, would want to keep uh, necessarily the wrong people out of his. Uh, what about his somebody home? with a dog? They want to keep the dog in. The yeah, that's end. true too. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you know we both have fences. We have fences for our dogs to run around. That's so they right. Don't run the neighborhood and and in, in days when we were more of a you know it was all about cattle and agriculture. Well, of course that still exists today. You don't want them roaming uh, into somebody else's pasture or something like that's that. That's right. Right. Yeah. They they they've been they built fences back in uh, the Wild West once they started having the cattle. You know whose cattle is who. So right. fences have have always been a thing and I I'm it's always intriguing to me or curious to me when people think they're not a good idea. I laugh because, you know, in my neighborhood, if a fence isn't up and somebody buys a house, 
that's the first thing they do is put up a fence, <laughs> you know, yeah. and we're all good neighbors, yeah. you know, and maybe that's what helps make maintain well, sure. good neighbors. Sure. Well, we get along great with our neighbors and uh, yeah, we all have fences, but again, like you said, the dogs, that's part of it. Right. Um, but there's a lot of reasons. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons, but today we want to look at what the Torah is saying about uh, the idea of borders. And in particular, we're going to go to the idea of national borders. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about borders, you really kind of go back to a concept that is so Torah-based, so biblical-based, and that is that the God of Israel, the God of our Bibles, is all about dividing and separating things, mm-hmm. um, in particular land and people, and in particular Israel. Okay, That's right. so you know, so um, so he. I remember when I first heard that concept from a Torah teacher, but only because it seems so different than the Christianity's idea of kumbaya, everybody coming together (laughs) as one. He said, no, the basic God principle is God divides and separates. And then he started showing me, and guess what? It shows up in Genesis 1 repeatedly. Yeah, it's ubiquitous when you think about it. It's throughout the scripture. God is, he's calling the shots, regardless of how much uh, man tries to change that or resist that. And he he knows best. And and, uh, we're going to read examples. And and I think that the other thing that struck me when I was learning this is it it was a paradigm shift for me mm-hmm. to think about God being a God who divides and separates people, land, you know, things. He, he, he's all about that. And that was a paradigm shift for me. And once I got it, then so many other things seem to make sense in the Bible. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, that just makes more sense. But, you know, even when you look at chapter one of Genesis, you see these major separations right off the bat. You know, God separates light from darkness, heaven separated from earth, land separated from the sea. And, you know, God looks at it and what's he say? It is good. It is good. Okay. <laughs> so he separates and he's like, okay, this is all good. You know, even this idea of, of, plants um, after their own kind and mm. animals after their own kind, they're separated. An apple's not an orange. Right. You know? Uh, that, that phrase, after their own kind, is so powerful. You know, we I think we talked about this uh, in our Torah uh, studies on and Friday And I think night. we should go back to it sometime, it, too. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, a, it's a really good topic because, um, it, it, we again, the ideas of, of man of this, um, this false unity or this false oneness, uh, God, God has, has laid out a perfect plan if we would just stick to it. No, we, we, we would, that yeah. would be too easy. <laughs> <laughs> so we see this whole separating, separating, and then, you know, you look at it and you're like, literally God separates woman out from man. I mean, literally, okay, that, that happens. You're like, okay, that's a major separation. It's a major separation. (laughs) And remember, remember a few uh, Torah episodes ago we did, I talked about that. If you can't recognize male and female, I really don't want your opinion about anything else. Exactly. Seems so very basic. Seems so basic. So if you go forward in uh, Genesis and you get to chapter 11, Chapter 11 of Genesis is the Tower of Babel story, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's that quintessential dividing and separating act of God. And and it's really this the Tower of Babel where we see that God is the one who established nations and therefore borders for nations. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, until that point, the whole world had one language and one speech. Okay, it was a world without borders. It was a world without borders. And everyone was working together and they were all communicating with ease, getting along. What could be the problem with that? (laughs) Until we get to verse four. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. There it is. The arrogance, the the self uh, centeredness. Um, this this is. You're right. It is the quintessential story um, regarding our our topic today because it it start, it sets the tone spiritually uh, for what mankind uh, when it becomes all about self and and making a name for oneself and 
you've heard me talk um, about Nimrod before. You know, we we have this uh, this quote when I when it comes to uh, the the Aliyat, another topic about the hunters. But I want to bring it bring it back up again today because Nimrod seems to be the the father uh, or the, the the he 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 reveals the motivation. Uh, uh, the spiritual motivation of the enemy of our souls manifesting through man and his arrogance. And the historian Josephus made this comment that I just think is so profound. And, and you would think it was something written today or, you know, you know, or yesterday at the latest. Um, listen to what he says about Nimrod, because he, he, he really... Um, he describes what his motivations were. He says, he also, and I'm quoting now from Josephus, he also gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way of turning men from the fear of God, but to bring them into constant dependence on his power. Now, if that doesn't describe the the progressive movement in the world today i don't know what does it's it, it's the target is god it's no you don't need god you need me or you need uh, uh the government you, you know that old remember ronald reagan the, the, the scary words i'm from the government and i'm here to help, help you right? that's this is what we're seeing here with josephus you know i guess that's nothing new under the sun right well, that goes really far back. It I mean, really does. If you say, I think I've heard you say Nimrod is the father of the progressive movement. Yes. That goes a ways back. Doesn't you it? Know? I mean, <laughs> we're talking probably over about well, 4,000 years exactly. or so. Exactly. That spirit is no different. You know, right. we can we can point to 100 years ago and in America and, and leaders of the progressive movement, but you, the spirit of it goes way, way, way back. back. Yes. But it, and bring that up, obviously, because it's the progressive movement that is, is the uh, the ones who are, are pushing for these open borders. Exactly. And I just want to read one more quote about Nimrod before we leave that topic, because this also is very profound. This is the, the uh, commentator Rashi, Anybody who uh, has a Jewish commentary is familiar with Rashi. And he says this of Nimrod. He said, Nimrod ensnared men with his words and incited them to rebel against God. He was the forerunner of the hypocrite who drapes himself in the robes of piety in order to deceive the masses. Once again, that could be written today. When you hear these people quoting, quoting the words of Jesus or quoting the words of the Bible and telling you that you need to let, you know, drop the borders and let everyone in, robes of piety. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Wow. You see me just shaking my head in agreement here. <laughs> the audience can't see that, but I am. That's for sure. You know, it's, um, so that's an, it's an, it's an ancient spirit, uh, an ancient, uh, choice of man or you said like a revelation it's like he he revealed that and it is within man and so but it's important to recognize how old it is mm -hmm. i think that's important you i know? think i think it is too it shows that it's absolutely a spiritual battle exactly exactly i think that's what's really important you know so you know you see this you know that I think this Tower of Babel being a central verse, a central um, uh, uh, happening uh, that's recorded in the Bible that kind of speaks to what we're talking about today. God goes on in the Bible and He continues to separate. Um, you know, after the Tower, He said He's going to separate. He's going to give everybody different languages. He's going to scatter them throughout the throughout the earth. You know, it's no different than a father catching his son doing something wrong with a group of uh, other people, and he's like. Like, you're not going to see them anymore. Right. You're not going to get into this kind of trouble anymore. So, you know, they tell them all to go home. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he, <laughs> so he set up homes. He's like, everybody, pick up your ball and go home. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, God goes forward and he continues this whole separating. And, you know, he separates out um, this line of promise, okay, through Abraham, Isaac, and 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 uh, Jacob. Jacob. Thank mm -hmm. you, um, <laughs> and which eventually becomes Israel. He separates Israel out from all of the other nations. Mm -hmm. You know, he separates them for his special purpose. He makes them a a holy nation unto himself, and 
interestingly, the idea holy itself means set apart. That's right. Separated. That's right. Uh, you know, we a moment ago we established that, that we feel this is a spiritual battle. And what did God do when He called um, Abraham, uh, Abram at the time? He pulled him out. He separated him, as you're saying. The word ivrit, where we get the word in English Hebrew, means to cross over. And it's not just crossing over the Euphrates River. It's crossing the spiritual divide, pulling him out of the world. So you have, you have those of us on the, the God's side of the spiritual divide, and then you have the world. And that is the separation. That's that you're the separation. Of. Absolutely. So, you know, um, even what's interesting, um, the, the pagans of the day, they recognized that Israel was different. Mm -hmm. Okay. They recognized it was not like the other nations. Israel recognized they weren't like other nations, right. but the pagans did too. Yeah. They knew. You know, and there's an interesting verse in uh, the book of Numbers where the prophet Balaam says, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? Um, because he was supposed to go there and denounce Israel, okay? Mm -hmm. For from the tops of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him there, a people dwelling alone, not reckon, reckoning itself among the nations. Not reckoning itself right. among the nations. Israel was separated. Exactly. I love that passage because I'm thinking even the evil prophet, you know, for, for profit. For profit. <laughs> two he, kinds of profit. He was, he was forced to say only what God would have him say. And God made it clear that Israel, you know, when we read the, the scripture, we have to understand that it's Israel-centric. It's israel and there's the nations. That's right. That's the separation. Israel and the nations. The Israel is not reckoned among the nations. The nations. You know, so there's a lot that we could say, and I want to go back to it about this idea of Israel and being set apart and so forth. I want to zero in a little bit more, though, on this idea of the nations and God establishing the nations and... Um, and he 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 established borders, and he respects borders. And you know, according to the Torah, borders really matter. They, um, they're important. They really do. And Kathy, before we we go into the scriptures that talk specifically about the borders, I just want to make it clear again to our to our audience that when when we talk about Israel and we talk about this idea of a borderless world, the target really still is God. Because God established Israel and set them apart. And when you, if you had no nations, that who, who gets eliminated then, right? Israel disappears. The idea of Israel being a light to the nations and set apart by God, the, once again, the target is God. So this idea of destroying Israel and open borders, I think they're, they're all, it's all related you know, the, the nations related. hate Israel for, for many reasons, and we're going to go into a few mm -hmm. in a, uh, later, but this idea of uh, targeting God, just like when we spoke of cancel culture, that the ultimate target was God, oh, not yes. those who are being canceled, but ultimately God. Yes. It's the same with open borders. I believe he is the target. Interesting. I just had a thought when you were saying that. It's not like those who uh, are doing this are atheists. They know there's a God. Yes. And they they want to cancel him. Yes, they do. I think you 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 and I both read the quote about Karl Marx recently. Yes, exactly. And he knew very very exactly. well. Exactly, we was did. A God. That's where that came from. Sometimes yes. you remember, you forget where things come from. And it, that that was the quote. It was that Karl Marx knew there was a God. He knew there he was knew a God. There was he, a God. Was, he wanted to eradicate. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Fight against him. Exactly. You know, Exodus when the the uh, Israelites were at the foot of the of Mount Sinai, uh, God sets up a, a boundary around the mountain, okay? And it said, you shall set bounds for the people all around the mountain. Um, this is God telling Moses this. Beware, you do not go up on the mountain or touch the borders of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Mm -hmm. So here he is. He's established this set-apart mountain space with a border, mm -hmm. okay? Had rocks all around it or whatever. And um, he's like, this border is so important. If you go over it, you will die. That's right. That's how important that border is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really how God feels about all of his borders. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. I mean, the Torah itself, uh, you know, we, it's, it's, the, it's our instruction 
for life, and it gives us those borders. It gives us the place, stay on the path. Think of it as guardrails on the path that God wants us on. That Torah tells us, don't cross those those guardrails. It reminds me of uh, walking around at um, the Grand Canyon, yeah. okay, up at the top, and you have like this little flimsy guardrail, and you look down, <laughs> and you're like, wow, you're, yeah. you're happy the guardrail's there, but you're like, I don't want to sneeze or anything. Right. I don't want to go but, beyond but obviously that. Obviously, there for a reason. <laughs> exactly, there for a reason. Proverbs 22, 28 says, do not move the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. Mm. And Deuteronomy 19, 14 says something, something similar. You shall not move your neighbor's boundary mark. This is your neighbor, okay? This is talking about your neighbor right. and your fences, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, which the ancestors have set in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord, the God gives you. You know, it's, um, so even at the smallest level here, we're talking about between neighbors, don't move that. Don't move it. Yeah. And, and and then on the bigger level, and I can't help myself, but think about Israel. Don't mess with them because mm, yeah. God delineated the, the, the borders of that nation as oh, well. Yes. And so if you're trying to remove the that, that border, you know, the nation that he chose to be a light to all other nations. You know, God set this up this That's way. That's right. You're sure. right. Trying to move Israel's border, big, right. big no-no. Big no-no. Big no-no. Mm-hmm. You know, we were studying not too long ago in our our, our, our Friday night mm-hmm. Torah study. We were reading an interesting verse. It is in, it's in Deuteronomy 32, and it's part of the Song of Moses. And it says, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of of the sons of Israel. So it's talking about God setting up these kind of boundaries, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and some scholars believe that God not only set up nations, but he also assigned like divine beings of some sort to each of these nations, kind of like a, a, a good or a bad guardian angel, some sure. kind of guardian angel kind of thing. And so in the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Septuagint, which is the Greek t- translation of the Hebrew Bible, the phrase sons of Israel is translated B'nai Elohim, sons of God. And this phrase B'nai Elohim, as well as the concept of, you know, some kind of God-created being assigned to each nation is, you know, you think, well, that's kind of weird. Okay, did mm-hmm. God create nations and then some kind of angel over these nations? That seems a little weird. But you know what? The book of Daniel, chapter 10, gives a lot of credence to that idea, you know? And it's in that story that Daniel, he's been fasting and praying for three weeks. He sees a vision of a man standing before him. And, and Gary, if you could just read that section. This is from chapter 10 of Daniel. Sure. It says, do not fear, Daniel. Man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You're like, okay. You know, so this concept that, you know, there are heavenly battles, which yes. we as Christians believe, we okay? Believe we that, believe yeah. in these heavenly battles, but that these are being waged on behalf of nations, really, uh-huh. okay? Uh-huh. That there, there's like some being assigned to a nation on behalf of a nation. And they these are pri- apparently nations with borders that these heavenly beings understand, that's right. Okay. They and, do. And or respect. Yes. Okay. You know, so that the, the prince of Persia it knows he's not the prince of Greece. Right. Okay. So there's a, it's not a one world government in their eyes. That, no, that's <laughs> a great point. And we're you looking, know? we're getting a glimpse into the spiritual realm here and they, they seem to fully understand their, their parameters, their, their restrictions or their, or their, their principalities that they've been, uh, you that know, they've been assigned, assigned to. to. Yes. Absolutely. It's, it's, it, yeah. So that's, that's kind of interesting. And as, um, uh, the prayer on earth as it is in heaven, you know, we pray mm-hmm. that in the, you yeah. know, the, our father, you know, um, 
so earth what happens on earth should be a reflection of exactly what's in heaven yeah you know so the exact opposite of that would be of course what man is doing with these borderless you know um, Mm -hmm. calls for borderless a borderless world you know so okay so let's say you accept and and you see that the torah recognizes that there's borders, that God has established borders, that there's an understanding in the spiritual realm that there's borders, Mm -hmm. okay, and Mm -hmm. a respect for that. So then you got to think, well, why? Mm. Now, well, we always say in Hebrew, you know, it's very Greek to ask why, okay? (laughs) I know that. But God has a reason for each of the things that he does. So mm-hmm. he has a reason for yeah. establishing borders. Well, you know, I was thinking about this after, uh, you know, we spoke about the topic. And, and I maybe this is a little too simplistic, but here, here's a thought, is that when you teach someone, if you're a teacher, what's more, what's, what's more difficult, teaching uh, an, an, an audience of 1,000 or having a small group of 20? You know, if you have a nation of Israel as the instructor nation, as the light to the nations, God chose a, 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 a teacher nation. So let's put it that way. And then you have the, their responsibility to be light to the nations. And so they could be an example one by one to smaller groups of, of people than necessarily the entire world a, as a whole. Um, I see this playing out when you think of the nations that have made choice to be uh, um, an ally with Israel or to have treaty with Israel or to to have trade with Israel. Individual nations have chosen. And God, I'm sorry it keeps coming back to Israel, but I just can't help myself. <laughs> I think our whole lives are like yeah, that. <laughs> but it, it, it does. And, and you think about how God had said, and we're going to talk about judging of the nations on account of this. So it, it, to me, it all ties together. It all ties together, you know, and that actually gets us back to what it wasn't too long ago in uh, our Torah study um, that we were reading this account in Deuteronomy 21. And it's a, it's a little bit long, but if Gary, you could read it to us and I'll ask the audience to hang in there and listen to it. It's going to sound a little odd, but and but it is related to our topic. Okay, it, well, I promise absolutely. that is very much related to it, and to help us understand why God uh, set up boundaries. Yes, and it's it's Torah. It is His instruction. So let's let's read. If someone is found slain lying in a field in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess, and it is not known who the killer was. Your elders and your judges shall go out and measure the distance from the body to the neighboring towns. Then the elders of the town nearest the body shall take a heifer that has never been worked and has never been never worn a yoke and lead it down to the valley that has not been plowed or planted and where there is a flowing stream. There in the valley they are to break the heifer's neck. The Levitical priest shall step forward, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister and to pronounce blessing in the name of the Lord and to decide all cases of disputes and assault. Then all the elders of the town nearest the body shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was was broken in the valley, and they shall declare, Our hands did not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it done. Accept this atonement for your people Israel, whom you have redeemed, Lord, and do not hold your people guilty of the blood of this innocent person. Then the bloodshed will be atoned for, and you will have purged from yourself the guilt of shedding innocent blood, since you have done what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, so what does that have to do with what we're talking about? (laughs) You know, they did an interesting thing here. This whole procedure... The purpose wasn't to determine who the killer was. Mm-hmm. There was a given at the beginning that we don't know who the killer was, okay? Correct. But the purpose was for determining which city would be held responsible for blood guilt is what the Bible calls Mm -hmm. it. It's the guilt that's assigned to land where an innocent person is murdered. Now, that's a a wild concept to us, but it it is very Torah-based, this idea of uh, blood spilt, innocent blood spilt on land uh, creates guilt for those in the land, okay? So, So the whole purpose of this is they measure carefully to the nearest city 
Well, the only way they could determine that is if they had very delineated specific boundaries for each of those cities. And these people were out there measuring carefully to that city to determine which one was responsible for the blood guilt, even though they didn't know who did it. Mm -hmm. It still was somebody was going to be held responsible for that. So it was the one nearest to it. So, you know, that's a... What, what we're looking at here is there was a judgment of some sort that would be pronounced if the blood guilt wasn't atoned for. That's right. Okay? And so they were carefully trying to do that. But if it hadn't been done, the city nearest would go, was going to be judged, held accountable for that, that, that death, that That's innocent right. uh, of that innocent person. That, so what we're using boundaries for here is to determine um, who is guilty. You know, and it just dawned on me, too. This is an answer to the question, where were you when your brother's blood was crying out to God? Where were you? Okay, I was in the city closest, so I need to atone for it. Exactly. That well, it, that's interesting. I, I had never thought yeah, that. Yeah, that's interesting. those two before. But. You know, so, you, you're, so what we've got here is that God wants to be able to assign Who's guilty to this? Okay, he's going to determine if something's going on. Someone's going to be found guilty. Okay, so it's the closest, and you have to know the clear, delineated uh, uh, boundaries, Mm -hmm. borders of that Mm -hmm. particular city. You know, the so this idea of borders for the purpose of judgment. Okay, comes up Ezekiel eleven. It says, "You will fall by the sword. I will judge you." to the border of Israel, or some Bibles say in the border of Israel, Mm -hmm. so you shall know that I am the Lord. Okay, so there's a concept. He's going to be judging Israel, and he talks about judging them to or within the borders of Israel. There's Mm -hmm. no point of judging someone outside of Israel if it's Israel that's responsible, Yes, you know, or to judge the other city if they're not the ones determined that they're, they're going to be held guilty. So Jeremiah 15, 13, your wealth... And your treasure I will give for booty without cost, even for all your sins and within all your borders. Once again, there's a judgment. There's a payment that needs to be made, but it is within your borders. Yes. In the case of Israel, they were given much and they were responsible for much and therefore they were judged. But we also know that the nations have a judgment to pay as well, and you're coming to Exactly. You know, this pattern of judging nations goes forward, as you just said. And one of the the verses that you and I know really, really well um, Mm -hmm. from the book of Joel says, In these days and at that time, when I restore Judah and Jerusalem from captivity, when is that? (laughs) today (laughs) today (laughs) i will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of jehoshaphat there i will enter into judgment against them concerning my people my inheritance israel whom they've scattered among the nations as they divided up my land Mm. you know so you you look at that and you're like okay there's this judging of nations now, what are they being judged for? And God says it very clearly. My heritage, my people, Israel. Um, you know, that, 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 I don't know if... Um, He's going back to Israel. Is that what you're saying, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, again, Imagine I said it earlier, that. it all ties together. You know, we, we, and this is, there's at least two witnesses. You're going to mention Matthew 25 speaks of this same judgment of the nations. And when, when God says, my people, my heritage, Israel... And then Yeshua says, on account of the least, what you did to the least of these, my brethren, isn't it clear that we from the nations have a responsibility to be a blessing or a curse to the Jewish people? I mean, we have an obligation to be a blessing, but many have chosen to be a curse. We have have a a choice. choice. And most have chosen to be a curse, unfortunately, in in, in the nations or in the world today. Yeah, you were mentioning this this verse in Joel. What's interesting, it's this, this future 
in that day, in those days, and at that time. Okay, so um, in which when the nations are when all of the people are being gathered back, which is today. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So it talks about this judgment of the nations and the Matthew and Matthew twenty five. When we we call it the sheep and the goats judgment, yes. but it's actually a judgment of the nations. And I mm-hmm. uh, and you can go as our, our our listeners can listen and read that because. We're often taught that very differently, Um, and what I'm, what we're saying to you is these are the same things. This this passage in Joel and that passage in Matthew are talking about the same judgment of the nations for the treatment of Israel. That's correct. It's the context. The context of Matthew 25. Verse, I believe it starts in verse 31 when he says um, that he will gather the nations. Is the same judgment that we that we just read in Joel? Joel. Yes. And, and but as you said, it has been taught to, and it's of course it's a very uh, great Christian principle to treat people with kindness, the sick, the poor, uh, visit in prison, those types of things. No problem with that as a principle. Of Christianity, but that's not the context of that passage. Exactly. The passage in context is Yeshua's brethren, Israel, and that that and judgment of nations. Yeah, yes. and then he uses he uses the same language of of um, Genesis twelve three. I will bless those who bless. I will curse those who curse. Because he says, "Come, you blessed of my Father for that's... those who did these acts of kindness." And then he says, oh, "Depart from me, depart you cursed. from me, you cursed." Yeah. Exactly. So, so I think that's once again us pointing out to that per that, that how important it is to look at context. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I first learned these things being the same, that was really uh, an eye opener to me too, mm-hmm. um, to see these two, this Joel event being the same judgment of the nations. There's not another judgment of the nations That's in the correct. Bible, okay, yes. where they're all brought together and judged, and 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 only uh, judged in, in in terms of how their treatment of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does it say here in Joel about that? He says scattered. They were scattered among the nations, which we know uh, we're we're still regathering That's the Jewish right. people today. And but what? then he says divided. divided my. Land that's moving the borders. That's moving the borders. That, exactly. And, and what has the peace process been about for decades? Dividing the land of Israel. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. Yes. So they're going to work. The nations are going to be judged for moving borders of that's Israel. Bingo. The, exactly. exactly. Now there's um, uh, other. So we we see other places where once again God judges nations. There's a. There's a cool verse in Zechariah 14, and it's actually a reference to um, Messiah's, uh, Messiah Yeshua's reign on earth, that thousand-year millennial reign, mm-hmm. okay? And it talks about, uh, in ver- uh, chapter 14, um, it shall come to pass that everyone that's left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that who will not come up of the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king of king, the Lord of hosts, even on them there will be no rain. So what's happening here, so it goes on even to say if Egypt doesn't come up, they're not going to get any rain on them. You know, so it gives this idea that the nations will have a decision. Are they going to come for the nations still exist? Okay. Right. When Jesus is reigning on earth. Okay. That's, that's right? okay. They're still there. So there's not a one world government there. Right. Okay. <laughs> exactly. And we may go for, we may go through that first. Right, okay. Maybe. I think that's what's going to happen. But at that point, it's just the nations that will come up and will be individually judged. Um, and this time it's about keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Right. Okay. Whoa. Once again, though, of course, this is to worship the king. Yes. But it also is a denial of the primacy of Israel by not showing up. You know, we, we have that today. You say, well, no, the church is centered in Rome. Or I don't, why do I have to go to Israel? I can just, I can stay right here. God knows I'm here. Yes, he does. But God set up Jerusalem as the king, the, the king, the center of the kingdom and where the throne lies of the Messiah. And so the primacy of Israel is still important in the millennial reign. <laughs> you can't just do that anywhere you like. 
That's right. Correct. You can't say, so he oh, I'm right. He set up a border and you can't say, oh, I can do that here. I still will worship God, but I'll just do it over here. He goes, right. no, you're going over there where, right. I, where I said to go. You know, this idea of God judging nations. I'm not saying that God doesn't judge individuals. God does judge individuals. Absolutely. OK, but in, in Christianity, we kind of keep our focus there. Uh, about uh, judging individuals more than we uh, do with nations. Now, I know lately, as we've been going through all this stuff as a nation, we've talked a little bit more, I think, about this judgment of a nation, okay, and about a nation turning back to God and how mm -hmm. important that is. Well, that's a very biblical concept, sure. okay? But God, uh, the prophets, I've been reading through a lot of the old prophets lately, um, the ancient uh, prophets of Israel. Jeremiah, you know, Poor Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, <laughs> so sad. It's just, it's, oh gosh. Um, he pronounced judgment not only on Israel, but on Egypt, Philistia, Moab, Ammon, Edom, Elam, and eventually on Babylon, okay, mm -hmm. um, who, were the, who was the one that uh, conquered all those other ones that came first, and then eventually at the end he's like, oh, you're going to be judged too, okay? <laughs> and, you know, I... I remember when I was first learning, I know I keep going back to this, I remember when I first learned, but but it, that is important. Those things come to mind, you know, when you learn important concepts, you know, where were you or right. when did you first and learn it's it? Good. it's stuck. And it's stuck, <laughs> right. And um, we have a mutual acquaintance, Gary and I, a, a friend called Walid Shabbat, and he uh, wrote a book called God's War on Terror. Mm -hmm. And he was speaking in that, and he talked about this idea of when Christ returns, he returns and he he fights against nations, very specific nations, mm -hmm. okay? And they're all named in the Bible. And in fact, they're named throughout multiple prophets uh, talk about them, okay? But it's, uh, and in fact, this first idea of of God establishing national borders actually was taught to me from Walid. Mm -hmm. okay. Gary, I think it was at your church. Was it? I was sitting in the back of your church. Okay. I had booked Walid to come. It was a full house, mm -hmm. and it was in the very back of your church. And I remember him saying that, and I was like, because he was talking about our national borders and how important it was to keep our borders, you know, and he was yes. talking about illegal immigration and so forth. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Okay. That, yes. and, and he, he, you know, so did the same thing going back to Babel and he's like, okay, so, you know, God is not for this illegal immigration thing. He's not for this, you know, borderless uh, country thing. And so then he was teaching about this end times prophecy Okay, and he he was telling about in the book of Joel. I believe this is the book of Joel. I yes. think I've got. Yeah, it is yeah, the book of Joel. And he, this is not how we like to think about Christ. Okay, I'm just mm. going to warn our audience. This is not the imagery that we usually um, associate. It's uh, with Christ. It's true, but it's a good dose of reality. It's a good dose of reality. Yeah. So we're talking about the end times when Christ returns, okay? And it, the question goes in Joel, why are your garments red like those of one treading the wine press? And Christ answers, I have trodden the wine press alone. From the nations, no one was with me. I trampled them in my anger and trod them down in my wrath. Their blood splattered my garments and I, and I stained all my clothing. It was for me the day of vengeance. The year for me to redeem had come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave support. So my own arm achieved salvation for me and my own wrath sustained me. I trampled the nations in my anger. In my wrath, I made them drunk and poured their blood on the ground. Mm -hmm. So what we have here is this Christ judging nations when he returns. That's right. And all of the ancient prophets, most of the ancient prophets, I'll say, speak to this, re this event that I quite honestly, I probably in the first 20 some years of my being a Christian never heard anybody talking about ever. No, this you concept. probably didn't because, you know, we focus in the over the years. I, of course, we've experienced this. Most preachers focus on 
the positive attributes of the Messiah and his healing and his uh, compassion, mercy. Uh, that was what we established in his first visit. Uh, and he himself, uh, you know, when he was speaking of those prophecies, quit there uh, when, he, when he's quoting, quoting from the prophets. But then if we pick up when he returns, it's the day of vengeance. It's the day of vengeance, of just Lord. like it said here. Yes. Okay. It was, the, for me, the day of vengeance. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, a, a, if you're trying to give a good, clear, rounded picture of, of, of Messiah, it would include both of those concepts. Both exactly. One doesn't negate the other. Okay, no. just because he's compassionate. In fact, it's because he's compassionate that he must avenge. Okay, yes. what what's wrong? Okay, and, and you know this is not a foreign concept to Judaism because they understand the the idea of a suffering servant was um, um, Mashiach ben Yosef, mm-hmm. and the idea of the reigning the the warrior Messiah is Mashiach ben, ben David. David. Exactly. So this is not a foreign concept. It's not something that would that you know we're making up, um, and we know we know from the scripture that uh, that he he fulfills both roles. Exactly. You know, we talked about a little bit earlier the Book of Numbers about Balaam. Okay, the fault the the mm-hmm. pagan prophet or mm-hmm. whatever. Well, you know what. In the book of Numbers, even, there's a prophecy. It's a messianic prophecy about the coming of the Messiah to specifically destroy and conquer certain nations. Mm -hmm. Okay? So in chapter 24, it says, A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the sons of Seth. Edom will be conquered. Seir, his enemy, will be conquered, but Israel will grow strong. Mm -hmm. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. So what we have here is this very clear messianic prophecy, Jesus returning with a scepter, okay? King of kings and Lord of lords, right? Mm -hmm. And what does he do when he comes back and rules from Israel and over Israel? He utterly destroys these enemies. Very specifically, we have Moab, Edom and Seir. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Ezekiel talks to the same kind of judgments. Um, Ezekiel 35, uh, Mount Seir, uh, Greater Edom. We're talking about areas that are very clearly delineated. Yes, okay. Now you may not, as a as a modern day Christian, know exactly where these are, but you can pull up any good Bible map, mm-hmm. you know, historical Bible map, and see when he and he names places, you know, from Timon to Dedan, where he's gonna destroy, that's Yemen to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 very specific nations. Which, which Walid clearly pointed out at this stage of the game are all Islamic nations. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that because in verse 5 of that same chapter, Ezekiel 35, it speaks of the reason, and it's an ancient hatred. Mm-hmm. It speaks of Esau's ancient hatred. If you look at Genesis 27, 4, Esau says he hated Jacob. Well, Jacob becomes Israel, as we know. It's an ancient hatred, and today the descendants of Esau and Ishmael, and remember, Esau married the daughter of Ishmael, those descendants today are primarily Islamic. That's right. And so it all ties together. It all ties together. And so very specifically, I remember Waleed, he probably did this at your church too, he he challenged anyone to name mm-hmm. a country that the Bible says that that Jesus destroys. That That's not Islamic. Islamic. That's right. He and did. nobody has ever answered him. I traveled with him for a while. Nobody was ever able to say anything else mm-hmm. according to the Bible. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I would recommend to anybody who's listening, though, that if you want to know a little bit more about that, because we don't have time to go into it, uh, is to get Waleed's book called God's War on Terror. It's really, really good. Um, So we learned a lot about that. So, you know, so what we've been able to establish today is that, you know, God is about nations. Yes, he is. He is. And he's about borders mm-hmm. from the very, very beginning with his dividing and separating and all of that. You know, he uses these borders to keep people from getting, I might say, too big for your britches, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly what was happening yeah. at Babel. And he uses it to determine who's responsible and who's guilty. Yes. Okay. Uh, for trespassing his commandments, for going against his people, yeah. against his land. 
Yeah, and I think I think it's a it's a great way to if we get, learn to look at all things current through the eyes of God, through the lens of Scripture, you realize what the enemy's plans are because you know that it's in direct opposition with God. It makes it very clear. You know, we, you and I have talked about this um, often about the chaos, that God is the order in the chaos. When we look at it, people who have a scriptural-based, a God-based worldview look at it and say, oh my gosh, these people are crazy. But when you, again, break it down in, 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 through Scripture and through God's eyes, you realize, oh, they're not crazy. They're very deliberate in their attempt to eradicate the memory of God. or, or Yeah, his, his authority. His authority. Uh, yes, yeah. exactly. You know, I think that it's really, really important for us, like you said, to be able to look at... Um, modern issues that we're dealing with. And we, we have not ever um, been frightened about going to these modern issues, <laughs> no, right, Gary? Never. Okay. Yeah, um, in politics or, or whatever, because um, we can't, we can't separate, we can't separate this little bit of our life. This is our God part of our world, and this is everything else. Yeah, no, we don't uh, do that. We don't do that. It's all. It's, it's all. all. So we yeah. need to look at everything through the lens of Torah, mm -hmm. okay, and all of God's word, okay, and see how do we respond. Because as believers, if all we're doing is responding to emotional appeals of what looks good, what feels good, eat of the fruit of the tree. It looks yeah. great. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Boy, that looks great. But we don't know what the word says specifically about these topics. You might be deceived and say, wow, maybe it is compassionate mm -hmm. to leave our borders open. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think if we, if you especially, and I will say this with no apology, if you're only reading the Brit Hadashah, what the world calls the New Testament, I think you can be easily deceived because we read, we read, we're only reading a, a portion of the story. And I believe God's principles are established long before. And Yeshua, as he walked the earth, just reiterated and, and emphasized and showed us how to apply them, you know, in our personal lives. But these principles that we can we can um, we only will find in this foundational Torah Torah uh, scripture would be the the method that we make our decisions of the events today. Exactly, the, the and and, and every. One of these Bible verses we've used today have all come from what we know as the Old Testament, okay? Right. The Tanakh, they've all come from that. So these principles were, were strongly established back there from starting with Genesis. Correct. You know? Yeah. you know, biblical prophecy points to a time when mankind will make a last-ditch attempt to erase national borders that God has established. Mm -hmm. The Antichrist will take advantage of the borderless world as he tries to establish his one-world government. And ironically, it seems as though the effort to create a one-world government doesn't stick. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, because it's not part of God's will, mm -hmm. okay? Because we looked at that and we saw that, no, Feast of Tabernacles, if Egypt doesn't come up, they right. don't, you know, so the, the nations the are reign. still there no matter what yes. man has tried to do to erase them. Good point. Okay? That's just a great point. You know? And, you know, so God will, see, will stand as the judge and jury of the nations, but as followers of the God of Israel, we must actively stand against efforts to ignore or erase national borders and teach others about this matter as well. And that's what we're here about today. Amen. Amen. So I'll ask everybody and, and, to, and, to, and remind everybody until next time, remember what the psalmist said, those who love your Torah have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Shalom. Shalom. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.